Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollack. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together, we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P. We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers, Ellie and Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships. We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving. Hi, and welcome to the third Plan P podcast. We're very excited and honored to have you join us for another podcast. Last week, we talked about uh, parent peer pressure, and this week, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, transitions. I think... We are all in transition all the time, if we're 100% honest, right? Well, yes, there is and, that. And I have to say that this week's topic sort of bubbled to the surface um, organically. Yeah. And I think that in the work that we do, we've been talking to a lot of parents, and I've been so impressed by the strength and the courage that these parents of preteens, teens, and young adults have been finding within themselves and that, to me, is a huge transition. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the teen years are obviously transitional years, and we forget that they're transitional for us as well as for our kids. Absolutely. So this notion of transitions also came up to me. I'm going to be 100% honest here because I don't like to, you know, steal other people's ideas. But I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right. You and I listen to Hidden Brain all the time, and we're like, Oh yes, this. How does this apply to what Plan we're P. doing? Yeah. It, it almost. I mean, this is. We're so passionate about this work that we literally, you know, and it's about brains, hidden brain. It's a podcast on brains, so we always sit down and talk about for an hour, probably afterwards. Well, I was going to say sometimes it's an hour strewn across several days, but <laughs> so I listen to a lot of podcasts, and because the title of the book that I haven't written yet and may never write is called toddler to teen tots to teens. Well, no, it's toddler. The title of my book. I don't know if the working title of my book toddlers to teens is toddlers to teens potty training to pot training. Right. So as a result of this, I listen and I have friends who have kids who are younger than ours. And so I listened, I'm like, what podcast, parenting podcasts are you listening to? And then they tell me things that are about toddlers. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to listen. So I listened to a while ago, I don't listen to podcasts in order always, because I listen to a lot of them. I listened to Brooke Weinstein. Yes, I believe she calls herself Brooke Weinstein, Thrive Like a Parent. And she's talking to parents of much younger children. But she was talking about transitions. We're not talking trans. We're talking about transitions and how hard it is for children, younger children, to make transitions. And she was saying, you know, they, they won't get out of their car seat or whatever it is. Right. Like it's, they it's, scream and yell and carry on. Yeah. And it's the little transitions to the big transitions. She talks about the little transitions from 
you know, being awake to going to sleep, from mm, being right. in the house to going someplace. Right. I mean, not not all transitions are huge, earth shattering ones. Right. But, but we resist them. Yeah. Well, our our brains have to recalibrate. Harrison was like, my wealth, my wealth, I do it, my wealth, I do my wealth. And, and at certain points, those transitions, like trying to get out of the house. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? You and your shoes are getting in my arms and we're getting in the car. This transition, <laughs> like I gave it the five minutes that I had. Okay, next time I'll give it 10. Like they hold on to their power. Right. They want to, toddlers are very like, I want to do it my wealth. And I was walking down the street the other day and I heard this maybe four-year-old, you're not the boss of me, <laughs> which is, you know. An oft-heard phrase. An oft-heard phrase. And this mother, like, picked up this child and said, well, actually, in this particular case, I am. <laughs> and off they went. So, but the, the other thing that she speaks about in Thrive Like a Parent is, you know, sit them down and say, we're going to Grandma and Grandpa's next week. Just so give them a little heads up. Right. We're going to be making a transition. And some kids have harder times with it than others. And some adults have harder times with transitions than others. Yeah. So Quinn, we're going to be going away soon. <laughs> oh, actually, no, you said, no, I don't want to make that transition. I'm not going with you next week. Right. I definitely have a harder time with transitions than, than you do. Yep. So yes, you can apply this to adults. You can apply this to tots. You can yeah. apply this to teens. Yes, you can. Transitions are uncomfortable, but it also seems like, and and I think this I, occurred to me because it's true for me, it's the actual moment of transition that's harder. Hmm. You know, it's not just this new environment feels wrong. It's the leaving where I'm stable. That's hmm. <gasps> hard. Oh my goodness. I had just, just had that like, shift moment in my body almost of like leaving where you're going childhood our yeah. children are leaving where they're going right. childhood that's right that's what teens are doing they're leaving their childhood and and they're unsure of what being an adult looks like right yeah. so and and in that toddlers to teens way i think what we work on a lot someone said to me just the other day you know what I love about you, Sarah? You're so compassionate with teens. Mm. You're so compassionate about this. And I'm like, well, first of all, they're not living in my home. So <laughs> it's full <easier>. disclosure, <laughs> way easier when you're not in, in it. But the other thing is like, I love what we do and I want to do more of it. And why we're doing this podcast is because I wish I'd been more compassionate I wish I'd remembered. I'd wish I'd hit that plan P pause in the middle of it. And I just, I have to share a story that my father tells, told. It may be an urban legend that everyone's heard. I don't know. I'm going to tell it here anyhow. It's a family. They're going on a vacation. Maybe this is where I keep referring to grandma and grandpa. They're going on vacation. They're telling their, we're going to say it's a four-year-old three-year-old that, you know, we're going to fly to see grandma and grandpa. They live, blah, blah, blah. And this child is very distressed by this. And mm -hmm. as they get closer and closer and closer to the day, this child, they leave the house and this child just loses it, just breaks down. And, and I can feel it. The hysteria. 
and they're like all a little hairy. <laughs> they, you know, this is what it takes is he's completely like holding on to the, to the porch or the door with the death grip. I will not go. I will not go. I will not go. And they've been trying to prepare this child, right? Right. And they see it. They see the child. The behavior is telling them something and it's been telling them for weeks. And now it's like we have hit full hit the iceberg. What is underneath all of these, this behavior? And he wails, I don't know how to fly. He's not going to be able to go with them. <laughs> he doesn't know how to fly. They haven't taught him how to fly. <laughs> <laughs> They'd forgotten to tell the child about airplanes. We don't know how to communicate with people mm -hmm. who don't have the experience that we've had. Right, right. We've transitioned to adulthood. <laughs> We don't know how to tell them you can fly. It is that educational experience also. Like when you know something, it's hard to imagine that other people don't know it after you, after it's sunk in and, and it's really in. You mean like once you're a parent? Yeah. Well, no. And I'm thinking about all the little things that you have to teach kids, like, you know, how to clean up a mess, how right. to, you know, I, I remember reading um, my inspiration Oh, my stroke of inspiration. My stroke of inspiration. And that was written by someone who was studying the brain who then had a massive stroke. And yeah, it wasn't inspiration, actually. But anyhow. No, it was inspiration. Okay. Anyway, she has a massive stroke. And I can't right. remember her name, of course, because we haven't talked about that book this. in years. Yeah. Um, but her mother has to reteach her what's the difference between the pavement and the grass. Right. Right. And this transition to adulthood, how do we prepare them? Again, I'm going to refer to Thrive Like a Parent for a minute and pump them up. Like, get excited about it rather than overselling it. Be honest about it. Like, yeah, you're going to go to kindergarten. No, yeah, you are heading into it. Like, talk more openly just about yeah. the, you're in transition, we're in transition. Let's talk about it. And without going into full fear mode of they're not going to launch. Right. And I would say it's different. I mean, that that's that doing that with toddlers is easier than with teens. Because with toddlers, you can say this is what kindergarten is going to be like. Teens, that communication has broken down a little bit because they are busy trying to assert themselves in a, yet another new way. And that new way is... I can figure it out. My friends know more than my parents, or it's more relevant to my life what my friends know. Mm -hmm. So they're listening to other sources of information. And, you know, they're not always open to the conversation about what next week is going to look like. In fact, they want to figure some of that stuff out. Doesn't mean they're not open to it. It just means it gets a little trickier. Mm -hmm. um, it's about asking them first rather than telling them, right? right. It's it, yes. there's so there's some subtle ways you, you can help them prepare, but it's about helping them to think about it rather right. than telling them what this will be like. And that's the shift from, from toddlers to teens is it, that conversational style, I think. Oh, I absolutely absolutely agree it you can't really prepare them because you don't really know where they're going 
Well, there's that too, because the world is different than when we were that age and we think we know, but no parent ever has through the millennia. Right. Because the world keeps changing and their realities are, you know, miles different, especially now as technology makes the changes happen at faster and faster speeds. But aren't there things that we can tell them about? Because aren't there universal struggles with this is a hard transition trying to find your footing yes in, in, that that's well so telling them about your experience isn't instructive but it can be reassuring right right so again these are subtle conversational things it's not oh this is what it's going to look like for you it's more yeah i had you know this is what we had to go through this is you know, this is a time in your life when things are unsteady. And I think also, just like when they were toddlers, our ultimate hope is to keep them safe. Yes. And how do we keep them safe? We set boundaries. Clear, consistent boundaries. Right. Making it clear what you support and what you don't support, how you'll support them. And being consistent with it. And being, yeah, consistent is a really important piece of that. The other important piece that gets back to what you were just saying, I think, which is that sort of conversational. I know and love someone who, I'm just going to say it, they spent time in jail and they want their kids to learn from that. Yeah. And they are so afraid that their kids can't learn from their experience. And they sort of said that out loud. And then they were like, oh. <laughs> they can't, they can't learn. learn from my experience. <laughs> yeah. No, we tell them, you know, tales that we hope will let them know that they don't have to repeat our behavior. And but we if tell they do, them we love them too. <laughs> we tell them tales, you know, and to try to model what we think their behavior should be. And right. Those work only to a very moderate amount in that once they've done it, they'll go, Oh, that's why they told me that. Right. And I think that that's part of the conversational style. I have my experiences. You're going to have yours. I love you no matter what. Yeah. Here. And, and, you know, being clear with your boundaries, but also in that conversational style, I think parents, the parents that we work with, a lot of the parents that we meet, who have I mentioned how unbelievably honored we are to and, be trusted like that? Oh my gosh. To be trusted by parents who are in full fear that, I mean, these parents are so afraid. And in that getting back to the brain stuff, when we're afraid, what do our brains do? Oh, yeah. What is it? Flight? freeze or fight yeah i do it in different order but yes most people our do prefrontal it in, cortex most people do it in different order i did it in that order um <laughs> for a reason because it seems with the people that we work with often they are in the fight mode mm, they're um, they're full on in the fight and one of the things we get to recognize is that that problem that uh, power mm. struggle with their kids is fear-based Right. Not just because their kids are doing stupid things, but because they're scared of the consequences of those 
quote unquote stupid things. Right. Because they're afraid their kids are transitioning to adulthood and they're not going to make it. Right. Or they're not going to do it right. Or they're not going to do it the way I did it, which did I mention sometimes isn't, wasn't so right. (laughs) I was driving down the street the other day. I don't even know why this popped into my head. I guess I had spoken with the parent of a 20 something year old and I was like, Okay, what was I doing at 20? Oh, can I not think about it? (laughs) Must I even go back there? Yeah. I mean, I think people often think that we work with teens rather than parents of teens when we explain what we do. And I think I don't want to go back to the teen years because I had such a hard time in my teen years. I, and I know people who love working with teens because yeah, thank God for teen the coaches who coach teens. Yeah, I'm very grateful for those coaches. Yeah, so that I have somewhere to refer people. <laughs> and I also think, I mean, this is not a plug, but it's a plug for working with someone and also having your children work with someone. Yeah, because I think in that responsible way, in that modeling way, working on ourselves, showing our kids that we're in this transition with you. Right, we are transitioning to whether it's your first child leaving, your only child leaving, whatever, whether they're going to college or just moving out of the house, whatever. These are huge transitions for us parents, and we get to do our work too. Yeah, absolutely. They're huge for us. So yes, a lot of parents, when we're afraid, we go into fight mode, and a lot of parents we work with are embattled as we were. Yes. There are fights happening Although, so I don't want to just skip over the freeze and oh, no. ones. Oh, no. I was getting there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, on the contrary, because I think that what happens when you're, you get frozen in the fight even. Mm. Like you get immobilized and you're stuck there. Right. Well, and I think of those really as both sort of denial things. Absolutely. Right. The, yeah. the freeze is, I don't want to... I see no evil. I hear no, you know, I, I don't even really want to know what's going on at some level. Right. That was me. Look at what a nice dinner we had. <laughs> We're just going to, everything's fine. Yeah. No flight is, I can't deal with this. I'm going to ignore it and hope that it's different tomorrow. Right. I mean, or I'm going to change some environmental variable. I'm not going to allow you to see your friend or I'm, yeah, I'm going to change something like a, we changed school several times. I mean, that seemed like a flight. Oh yeah. Pattern. That was totally, that was a flight pattern. We do not suggest you take that route, but yes, I think you're right. They, they, and I think a lot of parents do that too. Yes, absolutely. Or they flee the room. I mean, right. Flee the conversation, flee the conversation. It's too hard. I don't want to sit in this. Yeah, and there's a part of fleeing the conversation that is actually dominating the conversation. Because, it, at least mm. from my perspective, it's often oh, yeah. I don't want to hear what they're going to tell me because it, it scares me. Mm. Right? I'm scared they're going to tell me they're, you know, climbing tall buildings and doing graffiti and getting high. And you don't know anyone who did any dangerous, of those things, do you? Dangerous places. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I went oh to high God. school with people who did all those things and I have children who did various parts of those things. <laughs> I'm pretty sure probably all of them got done at some point by someone. Yeah. You know, like that is, yes. and their, their brains are actually designed to take to risks. To do those things. Right. 
and we're afraid they're going to take risks. And that makes for an interesting right. conversation and, and if we go in with our fear. Right. And so part of the listening, I mean, part of the thing that we can do to support our kids in these transitions is, is the listening right. to what's going on for them and the helping them think through their experiences. Yeah. I think that some of the freezing because I, I like where you're going with that, but I mm-hmm. just want to touch on the freezing. We freeze in our, I mean, I really do want to say that we, f- we didn't freeze like no move, but we froze in the same cycle. Mm. We were in a cycle. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We weren't really going anywhere. We were going somewhere in circles yeah, again, we and were, again and again and again. We were again. having the same responses, which generated the same response. And so we were just in a skipping the, the we record just, skipping just to reference a really old <laughs> to show our age. Yeah, no, I mean, we would get in this, I mean, in repeat. Yeah, same, what is it? The same model, different day, you know. Right. Groundhog Day. Yeah. Sort of thing. But I think that, so thank you for letting me just say that. Um, it was but always I think, the same fight. It was just, you know, different class. Or, right. So yeah. I think that's a way that we think we're moving, but we're, we're really frozen. Not. Yeah. I think is what I sort of wanted to yeah, yeah. say there. No, I think they're so, right. But I, but I don't, but I haven't lost where you were. Good. <laughs> I have. Um, we want to listen. Right. Remember that what you were saying? Yeah. Because you're so smart. <laughs> no, I think... Uh, it's one of the harder things to do is to listen without jumping in to stop them from telling you everything because you're so busy trying to manipulate their behavior. I mean, and I don't mean that it's a conscious manipulation, but it's a, oh my God, you're doing this. Let me tell you what you should be doing instead, or let me tell you how I handled it, or let me, I mean, we try to give them information so that they don't do the stupid things that we did or the things that we can see coming. So what I hear you saying is what we need to do is listen Mm -hmm. rather than make them listen. Right. Listen yes, that, to them. That would be, for once, you saying it more succinctly than me. <laughs> that never happens. I'm not sure that happened. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. I just summarized what you said. <laughs> and what I hear you saying is it's our job during this transition mm-hmm. to be the grown-up in the room. Yes. It always helped me to remember that phrase because, for me, uh, holding on to phrases, sometimes I can it can help me to remember where I want to be. So if I want to be the grown up in the room, that was both important with my parents when I wanted them to see me as an adult and with my kids when I wanted to be the adult. (laughs) Right. Right. I think that that is one of the things that's tricky when they're toddlers. It's really easy to know who's the grown up in the room. Right. They are you're, shorter. I was going to say, you're three times as tall as they are. You can pick them up and move them. Yeah. When they get taller than you, it becomes a little bit harder to assert that adultness. Yes. It's, it, it is. And it's hard in the room to remember that because they look like adults. I mean, talking to people, 
sometimes they they'll say, but he looks like he's twenty five. Right. He's got a full beard and he's eighteen. How do I how do I control him? <laughs> what do I do about that? I'm like, right. You don't know. What do you want to do about that? I mean, well, and also, especially girls can look. Oh, you like, know, they can be twelve going on twenty. Looks wise. No, I was talking to a parent the other day who's got a, this daughter is nine mm. and she's doing YouTube videos on how to do your makeup. Right. And her mother is terrified. <laughs> and I understand that. I mean, to your point, it's hard to know who the adult in the room is, especially when she's doing this on YouTube. She's got a YouTube channel. She's preparing to be adult. The people who are watching her are probably not adults. It may be the six classmates, and it may be some creep on YouTube. Her mother's right. I don't know. But we are the adults in the room. And part of it is listening. And you said this earlier, asking questions. Yeah. Well, and and the harder part of that is not, in my opinion, is not always just asking the question, but, but then not interrupting when they answer that's the pause yes absolutely letting letting it sink in really and i have kids in my life who will i don't know how much our own kids do this but there are other children in my life who are preteens and teens and young adults who trust me and i'm not coaching them but who are like i wasn't finished sarah (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like thank you Thank you for reminding me who I am. I'm the adult in the room, but this is what they are. They're the emerging adults. Yeah. Well, and one of the things is if you can stand the silence yourself, I mean, people want to fill silence. So if you're having trouble talking to your teen, just letting there be enough silence for them to fill, you learn much more uh, important things when they're filling the silence than you do when you're peppering them with questions in my experience. I just have to have some silence there. (laughs) Using my tricks against me. (laughs) But I think it's true. When there's silence, we feel heard. But in that listening and pausing, just like when they were toddlers, they're learning what is acceptable behavior Mm -hmm. from us. Now we just have to model it. Right. She says just as if it were an easy thing. (laughs) Yes. And the other thing about toddlers, part of our job, I think, is to remind them, I'm going to be here. I'm not leaving. Right. Because the consistency of I'm going to be here, even if you push against me, even if you tell me I'm stupid and don't understand anything about you or your life. I'm pretty sure I stood on a rooftop, a rooftop outside my bedroom window in Chicago and screamed to my mother who was in my room behind me. I hate you at the top of my lungs for everyone in the neighborhood to hear. It was a city. It wasn't like, I don't know if anyone was walking down the street and they were, you know. Yeah. Teens push away and it can feel like they are angry and hate you and all of those, you know, that you are losing them. Yeah. It's scary. It's scary. So it's to scary, parents. but, but holding, 
holding on to the idea that, or the knowledge that if you are the consistent, loving, supportive parent, this is a phase (laughs) and they will get through it the same way they got through potty training and, and the terrible tantrums of two-year-olds and, you know, all of those things, like they do change. Yes, they do because they are emerging adults. Adults. The major way that kids learn from us is from watching us, right? And that's still true when they're teens. Right. So model the behavior that you want and what most of us want is our kids to be honest, right? So we have to be honest. (laughs) We want them to listen to us. So we have to listen, right? You know, we want them to be upright and do the right thing. So we have to try to show them the right thing. You know, I'm sure we're doing the right thing, but, but making a conscious effort to, to show them, yeah. That yes, we're taking care of ourselves. Yes. The little things of going to the dentist to the big things of taking a day off work, you know, work when you need to. Right. So as we come to the end of this podcast, Quinn, what's yes. the practice? The practice is about, you know, nurturing that conversation. So it is asking engaging questions. So not how was school today, which will usually solicit a one word answer usually said into their plate, (laughs) but more, you know, like what made you happy today? Or, you know, what was your favorite thing? We used to do this thing, which worked pretty well. What was your high Mm, point and what was your low point? So it, it just, it sort of gives them something to talk about. It's not a, I think we stole that from a Jim Carrey movie. (laughs) <laughs> just i don't think you had to watch that movie i think no, that I might have been before that. your time yeah high low was a really good way of asking them because then you get without asking them how they feel a little bit about how they feel yeah what was the high point of your day what was the low point and sometimes especially if you let them talk and you just listen and you don't shut them down yeah try to think of ways to open up open up the conversation by asking engaging questions. So questions that they can't just answer in one word. Yeah. You know what? One of the things that really, I almost don't want to give this secret away because I still use it. I probably use it with our very own kids. It's a simple phrase. Tell me more. Hmm. Well, they have to have started telling you something. Fine. They said fine. (laughs) Tell me more. Okay. I mean, it, that it, works. It's, it's, it's sort of a magic. Yeah. It's sort of magic because if you say, huh, tell me more. Like you really want to hear more. That's engaging. And sometimes they won't. And here's the other thing. That's okay too. Yeah. Like they're emerging. They're learning who they are. They're transitioning to adults. Yeah. Practicing different questions and seeing which ones actually engage them. Maybe even. Right. Because... Even the ones that seem to be engaging, they can whittle down to one word. (laughs) Yes, they will, because they're very smart, those children. Yes. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways 
that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok at Plan P is for. If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online. All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.